All right. Hey there. How's it going? Welcome back to uh, the YC Journalism Podcast. Uh, as always, I'm Kobe, joined by Bradley. How's it going, Bradley? It's going pretty good today. Not a lot's happened. Kind of slow. But slow news day. Slow news day. Yeah, more Except, stuff. Except, conveniently, for one very exciting thing. Uh, this comes from the Hollywood Reporter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sean Shoptaw. Sean who is the senior vice president of games and interactive experiences at uh, Disney. He gave an update on the studio's new approach to gaming, and he emphasized the storytelling and reimagining uh, classic characters and settings, which means, of course, given the vast library of things that Disney has access to, so Star Wars, Marvel, basically anything that Fox made, tons of stuff. They have a closet. They now essentially have... They have access to a lot of properties, and from what this sounds like, it's they're essentially extending the chance for for people to to take those characters or those settings and and do something with them, similar to to Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah, yeah. Um. So just before before I give my thoughts on this, what are what are some uh, franchises you'd like to see come with a game outside of the things we already have, like uh, Marvel's Spider Man? Uh, and Fallen Order, things like that. I don't know. I've never, I've never dived super into like Disney's control over what they actually own. What are, mm-hmm. um? So they've got okay. So they got Star Wars. Okay. They have Marvel. Uh, they have Pixar. They have all of their original like Disney animated stuff. So yeah, which includes things like uh, Big Hero Six, as Utopia, Frozen. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they own all of they own they own essentially everything Fox did, which means like Terminator, uh, Predator, uh, Alien, uh, uh, Avatar as okay. well. Okay, so the, then uh, the the James Cameron's Avatar. Yes, yeah. And uh, I'm sure that they own a lot more stuff than that. But those those are the big tentpole things. Then yeah, probably Alien would definitely be interesting to see because yeah. we've never had a. Uh, I mean, there's isolation, which is really good, but I think that uh, I would love to see a lot more from. Well, uh, we've never, sorry, not to cut you off. We've fine. never really had one that's gotten like picked up mass media like super, a super attention. Big game. Exactly, it's none have really grabbed traction super fast, and then kind of blew up and disappeared like most. It's always been kind of under the table on on the side stuff. Yeah, that's it's not really like just, uh, like. Uh, Spider-Man that came out like two years ago, which was exactly, a huge yeah. game and just just ma- still maintains in a lot of discussions today as, as a really good like superhero game. Mm-hmm. It's it's stuff like Alien Isolation, which is great and is remembered in a lot of, of smaller areas, but it's definitely not something that sticks around in like the, the general discussion of things right. as much as like a Fallen Order does, which is like that's a huge win for EA in terms mm-hmm. of getting a good single player game out. So something like that is going to have more staying power than something like <laughs> Aliens, Colonial Marines, which is a real exciting game, but, awful game. But yeah, that that was just my point is like if they could try to come out with some sort of Alien, because Alien is a, a really big franchise. Oh, yeah. Almost everybody, when you hear Alien, you most think of Xenomorphs and, yeah, and Sigourney Weaver, all that stuff. It's... It's a big franchise. Fan franchise. Franchise. I franchise. Franchise. It's a big franchise that never gets uh, as much love as I feel like it should. And yeah. then same thing with Terminator. 
Terminator, it doesn't help that they also made like a bunch of movies and stuff yeah. that were all kind of uh, just getting further away from the original creativeness of the of the first two. Exactly, but I mean, it's always nice to see Arnold. So that's yeah. oh yeah, it's always nice to keep him employed. A Terminator game would be interesting. Um, I don't know. It's the entire situation is interesting. There's a lot of ways that Disney can make this go really good for them, and there's also a lot, a lot of ways, of ways botched. Just in like one of those would simply them just not doing anything or taking advantage because yeah. now that they have, or I mean, even giving it to the wrong studios. Mm-hmm. If they try to have some other studio uh, start a game, you give it to the wrong studio, and suddenly they've created some sort of disastrous flop and then that hurts the brand and it makes them look worse and like unprofessional yeah. but i mean so far it, it's there's a lot of it's, potential I, I mean so far the games we've gotten like spider-man fallen order those are pretty good mm-hmm. and i think that they've like, gotten good ratings and yeah everything. they're really good and a lot of people really like them and even though like fallen order was kind of cookie cutter in some ways mm-hmm. i think it's still like they just need a win no matter how like basic of a game they put out as, as long, long as it's good it doesn't have to be great, Definitely. but as long as it's good, that's a win for them. If it pushes them forward, then yes. it's good. And it also encourages uh, similar projects, several of which EA has canceled in the past, which could have been really cool. And then we just sort of – they just sort of <laughs> die because they think that they've got to get something out really soon which as opposed is, to letting it letting it uh, ruminate for a lot longer. Which is nothing that isn't unheard of from EA because oh, yeah. there's a lot of games that I wish actually made it out that did. But, yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as like, you know, video, as far as franchises that I think would be really good for video games, um, Predator is probably the one that stands out the most to me, particularly, and I know that there's, a, there's actually a uh, Predator game that was released, I want to say last year, 2019. And it was very, it was very much along the lines of the Friday the 13th game where it was, yeah. it was one person playing the Predator and a bunch of people playing Survivors. And that's fine, but I, I really think that when you when you make a multiplayer game, you're entering a really saturated market. Mm-hmm. And it's not like single-player games where a single-player game – and there are some franchises like Call of Duty which sort of can get both of those, those uh, camps. Yeah. But I think when you're going into a single-player game, a lot of what ends up happening is you can make a single-player game and put it out there and it will maintain – ostensibly until the end of time yes like it's provided you know it's it gets support or it it's maintains as something you can buy mm-hmm. like there is some stuff like uh, drm which can like render games useless uh it's generally which seen is, around yeah. like older games where eventually the dm the drm just stops being supported and then the game is you can't play it anymore that actually happened with a, a tron game recently really I think last year where the DRM just expired and DRM is sort of like a, like a security, like an anti-piracy thing yeah. for people that might not know. Um, and when it expired, even if you owned that game, if you hadn't played it at least once before, you couldn't play it. So Ouch. if you played it once, you would, you had it still, you were fine. You could play it. But if you hadn't, if you had bought it, but never played it, you were out of luck. Because it wouldn't run. Yeah. Okay. That's, well, that's harsh, but I mean that is also kind of the inevitable inevitable push forward within games and stuff like that yeah. is. And so that's that's actually sorry to cut you off, You're but okay. that's that's a lot of a lot of uh, games recently have been sort of abandoning the whole DRM approach mm. and just sort of 
not necessarily accepting that piracy is going to happen, but sort of they're sort of they're more willing to take a couple of small hits if it means that their game can persist longer than they want to support it. Yeah. essentially. But come, bringing it back to to Predator, uh, I think that when you're doing a single player game, a single player game can last a lot longer, uh, at least in like the the current discussions, because you can put it out and even three day three years down the line, people can still pick it up for the first time and play it. I mean, I'm sure there's there's a lot of people who've never played like The Last of Us. Yeah, and so that's a game that even still today, I'm sure has new players all the time. Mm-hmm. Same thing with like The Witcher Three. Or maybe even like Spider Man, hmm. where there's there's new people playing it all the time, and so I think that's one of the benefits of of single player games. And instead of like multiplayer games, which can be really good, but the problem with that is multiplayer games are a huge time sink. Like Warframe, yes. for example, if you get in even five months or a year after the game launches, you are already at a disadvantage. Especially if it's a competitive game, mm-hmm. like you know, like an Apex or some sort of game where like you can buy your way ahead, basically, like how Battlefront the, the 2 was to er, in its early days, the pay to win. Uh, I think that that's also one of the issues with, with multiplayer games is not only is it a hugely saturated market, I mean, single player games are also a hugely saturated market, but True. the difference is in that the multiplayer games, they they are a much bigger time sink and you can't just go away from them for five months and come back and like, kind of pick it up back in back again and be fine. It's a very much like multiplayer games are an ever changing thing. There's and so I think that sorry to sorry yeah, okay. keep going, sorry keep to going, run on Bradley, but like um the what ends up happening with multiplayer games is that it's just a much more hostile market than single player games, at least for you know, for people that are just coming into them. Definitely. And that's why I think that like even though it's a good thing that we have like a, a predator game just in general, I think we could really I think a, a single-player Predator game could also be really cool. Um, and I, I know it's very expensive, but I think, like, if more, franchise could, if more franchises can kind of hit both camps, I think that that would be, obviously, for ones it makes sense in, you know, I think that would be really beneficial. Mm. Um, well, kind of going off what you were saying about uh, the difference between single player and multiplayer, is Call of Duty franchise is a perfect example of that because – and that's more so the the cycle, the older cycle of every three years, then a new Call of Duty will come out. That's what the original cycle was because it was shifting between Treyarch and Modern Warfare. And then with Sledgehammer stepping out and doing their own thing for a bit. And then uh, I can't remember what the other branch. In early days, it was Raven. Yeah. Software. Yeah. Raven. Some backup stuff. And I think they still. If they are still around, I think they still do occasionally do backup stuff. They they help with a lot of because I know they helped in Call of Duty Ghosts and stuff like that. But with that cycle, kind of like what you were saying, is most multiplayer games, um, Black Ops Two, for example, super like super highly. It's a super highly rated Call of Duty Black Ops Two. But if yeah. you go and try to find a lobby in, it becoming backwards compatible has helped a lot. Yes, it, it's still you really have to have played it in its heyday when it first came out within the first eight months is when call of duty games are super big because they just dropped that's when everybody's feeling out they like it or not and especially with the 
the constant stream of, of Call of Duty games, mm-hmm. it's really like you got to be quick you, on that. You have to jump from one to one, yeah. from one to the next to stay with the the group as far as popularity yeah. in Call of Duty. And if you're wanting to keep continuously like play competitively and find matches, you're going to need to to stay relatively up to date on Call of Duties, even if that's just the previous year's one. Because. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Black Ops 3 has been out since 2016. That was not even four years ago. And I mean, there's I'm sure you can still find a match, but it's not going to be anything like it used to be. The fan base is either people that are super high levels deciding to stick with it or super low levels that are going to get slaughtered by the higher levels. And then just they'll bounce and they won't come Mm -hmm. back to it. And then... um, also going off of single players is there's multiple single player games that because it's that untimely, you can pick it up at any point yeah. five years after it came out, 10 years yeah. if it's still running yeah. and it'll be the same exact experience. There's yeah. no like, s- like slight change. There's no, there's no like large scale or small changes like there is in multiplayer. Yeah, yeah, because it also like gun, like gun mechanics will change or uh, uh, maps will change, mm-hmm. things like that. That and um, the amount of like for Call of Duty, the the player base that you're facing against mm-hmm. is constantly going to change. It it could be people that are super high like CWL players, which are high level call of duty players yeah. or, you know, like the lowest of the low, the people like that are just getting into like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call of duty games. Um, so it's constantly shifting. Whereas single, single player, player game games remains relatively static through its, its duration of being available. Mm, and also going off of what you're talking about, the predator, um, how the, the last predator game was, or the most recent was, was a multiplayer, very game. similar very, to yeah, the Friday, the 13th game that released that always reminds me of what was it left for dead. So it was the first one or the second one because i know they had a multiplayer feature mm. where like kind of like the half and half teams half would be the infected oh yeah both of them had that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay well yeah. um it just always reminds me of that is trying to find sometimes it feels like multiplayer modes get implemented really awkwardly yeah. into games yeah. especially if they don't fit which no. i mean i did like the idea of you know the the one before jason yeah. style and and also yeah. the predator but it creates uh, it, a lot of fun like situations um but i mean that's if you have people though yeah like i mean if i if if you got into a, a game of, of friday the 13th now i'm sure you would probably struggle to find that because that released in what 2017 yeah early 2017 mm-hmm. and like that game was a that game was a perfect example of a uh burn bright not long game which yes. is like it explodes yes. out of the gate just like Apex. I mean, Apex, I know Apex is still definitely. popular, but I'm sure it's had a huge drop off. Oh, it died so so much yeah. faster than it came up. Yeah, and that's that's another one of the, the misfortunes of multiplayer games is if you're not like if you're not like Call of Duty where you can consistently crank out pretty good games, mm-hmm. or you can like keep a large fan base around be, like through constant updates and mm-hmm. positive updates at that, you're kind of you're kind of just out of luck as far as multiplayer, as far as being a multiplayer game goes in today's uh, space of multiplayer games. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, 
in call, you know, always back to Call of Duty. It's a very good example of almost that friendly competition between each of the developers. Yeah, is it's to not try to make the better. Yeah, and it's not so much that they're fighting with each other, more so themselves yeah. to try they wanna, to make. They want to prove themselves to be the best Call of Duty developer. Yes, and then in that in that sort of situation, that ends up just constantly topping Call of Duty games where we get better and better with each mm-hmm. one. Um, and the, the thing for most developers is, you know, obviously communi- from most multiplayer games, communication with the community is a key thing. And that's where when um, Infinity Ward was kind of like pushing off every like the community's feedback and everything if you don't listen to them they're going to start having issues and that's where you start losing players they seemed even though they kind of kept moving forward everybody that plays modern warfare seemed to kind of push through it um but in a perfect example um not to move on topic onto a new topic, but as, as you know, Modern Warfare just dropped their most recent title update, which released season two, and also uh, Ghost got brought in, mm-hmm. you know, kind of almost like a revamped version of Ghost, yeah. because you know, Modern Warfare this is supposed to be kind of a reimagined version yeah. of it, which is weird because a couple of the scenes you see Ghost running around and he's super beefy and everything like yeah. that, but. Anyways, like a multiplayer skin. Yeah. Almost. And so he's the with some of the feedback that the community had been giving them, it looks like they listened to some of it and then obviously brought in different changes. Yeah. They adjusted some of the perks. They moved a couple of them around into different categories. Uh, they only did it with like two perks, but yeah. you know, still that's that's progress. Yeah, that, that's that's one of the things I um I really like, I really like about uh, video game developers and particularly publishers because mm-hmm. a lot of the time the publishers are the ones with their hands hands around the neck of the developer <laughs> saying you can't change too much. But like, I really, I really enjoy it when uh, when developers actually listen to the community mm-hmm. and cooperate with them because ultimately the community are the people who are playing the games. Mm. Like, I'm sure that you know the developers enjoy their games and enjoy playing them. But at the end of the day, when you've got a studio of 200 people making a Call of Duty game versus what could essentially be 200,000 people mm-hmm. playing it over its entire if over its entirety, like that's a lot more people you got to you got to appease than just the two yeah. like just the 100 people involved in the create like the creative aspects of making your game. I think that that's and so when they do listen to their community and they provide changes based on what the community says and what they want, I think that's when you get a really good uh, good relationship going between the developers and the people playing it, and that's also another like that's also a thing with with single player games, which is like The Sims Four has uh, like another uh, an EA franchise. Obviously, yes, yes, yes. They have they have. I think a lot of the time, a lot of their more uh, their less well received uh, changes to the game come as a result of EA being the publisher because EA owns Maxis, which is the studio that develops the Sims games, at least, you know, from three to four. True. It, it's the development history of the Sims has been really complicated with it changing hands a lot of times, but generally Maxis is the studio that works on it. Mm-hmm. And so 
Maxis, I, Maxis has changed quite a bit about the game recently, um, including most notably, I would say the uh, the look of the game. So like the all the promotional stuff. Um, oh. It has expansion packs and stuff packs and game packs, which add a bunch of new features and items and. Uh, things to the create a sim, which is just like clothing options to put on your sims mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I think that, uh, and they've they've changed a lot of the look of the things. So each of the expansion packs used to have their own distinctive look, but then they tried to make them all look in a uniform way. And I think that, and then also they changed the logo to be more like to be. It, it's definitely a worse uh, change because it went from being a pretty good looking like menu screen and things like that. I mean, you might, you might want to look mm-hmm. it up, but um, it went from being like a, a pretty solid looking thing as far as like graphic design goes to being kind of just ugly in a lot of ways. And I think that, I think I hope at least that came from publishing because I definitely, definitely after that change was made, a lot of people from the Sims community, community, including like, a lot of fans didn't like it. Mm. A lot of YouTubers that that make content around The Sims were really were really against it, saying this this is just ugly. It kind of takes a lot of the personality out of the out of the DLC packs. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, like uh, one of the DLC packs you can get for The Sims is My First Pet stuff, which requires okay, you okay. to have the expansion pack of Cats and Dogs, uh, and. That right there. So Cats and Dogs is already a $40 expansion pack, which Ouch. is like, like it's expensive, but I mean, that's usually I, what it's most generally it's, I would say generally a fair price for the expansion packs. I'm going to say through most games in general, $40 yeah. is usually yeah. with a run. Yeah. And then the, the stuff packs are, uh, $10 and the game packs are 20. And okay. when they released Cats and Dogs, a lot of people were kind of confused as to why it wasn't just a pets expansion, like it was with The Sims Three and The Sims mm-hmm. Two, and I believe The Sims One as well to a lesser extent because those were those were less advanced games than The Sims Three and Four. But then they released My First Pet Stuff, which is a absolutely shameless cash grab, and I have no <laughs> doubts that that came from di- directly from EA, yeah, wanting just more money. And so I think that there's a lot of stuff for like how publishers can kind of interfere with the game developers and how they can kind of, especially greedy publishers can sort of mar the relationship between a developer and its community. Mm-hmm. Because I definitely think that, that Maxis, I don't think Maxis would have willingly got, like made a, my first pet stuff pack. I think they would have probably included that in Cats and Dogs and just made it a general pets pack. Instead of doing... But an EA prop... I'm going to assume that was an EA decision because that feels like an EA decision. Yeah. And then the developer kind of gets unfairly blamed for that Mm. when it really goes further up to the publisher. Mm. And that's the... As far as community and stuff like that, you... As, you know, somebody who's played video games all my life and stuff like that is... When you're on the business end, I guess, as a... A consumer? Yeah, as a consumer who's playing the game. I mean, you have to kind of balance it between under between demanding what you want and understanding... There's a limit for how many things feasibly can go into a game. Yes, and then on the alternate side of that, for a game developer, yes, whatever you're making, you may be making it how you want it. 
But if the community is saying, if they're opposing, if a majority what, of the community wants it a certain way, you can't just disregard that because at least entirely, because mm, at the end of the day, you know, you may be making it and yes, you may be proud of your work, which is always a good thing. But if the people that you're trying to, you know, you're trying to get the attention of people who are interested mm-hmm. in playing it and you're not going to do that if you're not communicating with the community, if you're actively ignoring their, mm-hmm. their, their, uh, suggestions mm-hmm. and, and their criticism and stuff and uh, kind of how modern warfare was doing near the end of season one um, is they kept on updating things without telling people and doing secret, you know, secret sort of shady stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very. And that puts a lot of mistrust between the developer and the community between the two. And mm-hmm. it, it forces, that's when a lot of people will start deciding, you know, do I really want to keep following this game? I spent $60 on it, uh, but they're not even listening. And, you know, you're going to lose a lot of people if you don't listen to that feedback. And right. that's that weird, the difference between understanding what is reasonable to demand from a developer and mm-hmm. what is. There's push and pull on both sides. Definitely. Where it's, you can't demand too much as a consumer. But then you also can't ignore too much as a developer. Otherwise, mm-hmm. you fray that relationship and then it just sort of – you sort of end up with kind of a, a lackluster game. And then you the lose end. profit yeah. fast. And I think that I think that the ideology you just suggested, Bradley, applies probably most, I would say, to video games. Mm-hmm. Because something like, uh, like movies or TV shows or like actual painted art or mm-hmm. like drawn art or like books – all of those things I think are like – even though movies and TV shows come from a lot of people being involved with it, I think those have more breathing room for uh, for being able to actively kind of ignore the the community's feedback, particularly for the first outing of mm-hmm. each thing, like a first season or a first movie. And I think that the creators can really put all of their thoughts into it and then sort of let the community like chisel it down mm-hmm. almost. Do it Whereas, yeah. and that also counts kind of for video games for indie developers making their first game, like uh, that Untitled Goose game. True, that's that developer's first game, and so they really they really get to take complete control of their first project. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, obviously, you know, with a franchise of a movie or a second season of a show or the the you know second uh, video game in a series like Call of Duty, and next in a big franchise, the next game a lot of that becomes just trying to balance what you think uh, is a good idea for the franchise you have created Mm -hmm. or you are like a big part of and are working on versus what the people who did not come up with the idea would like to think could work in it or want to see themselves. Okay. No, it's, and it's that very, um, you know, art is a perfect example. It's the, what is the, the consumer see in it? Because, I mean, you know, once you've painted a piece of art, most artists aren't, you know, going to go to the people looking at the pieces and go, yeah. what should I draw next? Exactly. They're, it's it's that taking pride in something you've created and putting it out there for let, and letting people yeah. interpret it how they want to. Like Picasso's paintings were like a lot of them were considered really crazy, but yeah. people are spending like a million and a half dollars yeah. for paintings that were super yeah. 
you know, painted super just, long ago. That people thought, you know, back when he was painting them, were like, what are you doing? This is stupid. Yeah. This is the worst painting I've ever seen. Exactly. And nowadays people are like, he was a genius. He was creative. He was a creative genius. It's the interpretation of the consumer and, you know, it's the how how much are you willing to spend for it. The, the banana duct tape to, to the wall <laughs> yeah. is a perfect example. Yeah. That's like three dollars worth of items. Not yeah, probably exactly. like two. You can go to Dollar Tree and get duct tape. Exactly. But you know, somebody decided to spend like a million dollars for that yeah. painting because it's, it's or the, for that piece of art. Yeah, it's it's the 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 artist's message of like, and I don't I don't necessarily know if this is the <laughs> the intended meaning, but like how meaningless some art can be. Mm. It's a message that goes into it that I think sort of the, the, the consumer sees and can interpret. Particularly, and I think this ID, this ideology applies the absolute least of like adhering to what your community wants to like painted or drawn art. Yes. Like actual literal art. Where I think that the the creator is really because there there are no sequel pieces, at least for ninety nine percent of art, there are no sequel paintings, mm-hmm. there are no sequel drawings. Unless it's like a consistent thing, like you're doing art for a book or a comic. Yeah. Whereas, or where I think that a lot of what uh, what goes into it for art is just whatever the artist themselves wants to create at that moment, that's what they put into it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, what an incredible transition this is. But uh, coming off that, um, I want to talk kind of quick about Anthem, which mm-hmm. uh, Bioware created game. Uh, it's a uh, quite a quite a disaster to say the least, as far as a game goes. It's a multiplayer game. It's live service. So it's it's the idea behind a live service game, something like The Division or Destiny, is that it's consistently updated and mm-hmm. there's new stuff happening all the time. With Anthem. Uh, it hasn't been consistently updated since December, and there's no new stuff happening ever. <laughs> uh, which probably the most notable thing with Anthem right now is that, uh, at least as of like the end of January, the Christmas decorations in the game that were put up for December still not down, yeah. which is not a good sign. Yeah. Well, Anthem definitely seem it turned out to be one of those games that got really, really hyped, had a lot of potential. And then the developers just sort of flubbed it, fumbled. They got all of their money right as it was released. Everybody oh, yeah. bought the games, pre-orders. There was like a hundred and eighty dollar pre-order, wasn't it, for Anthem? And that was like the <sighs> ultimate edition. I want to say. I'm sure there was probably some kind of collector's edition. Um, and you know they got all their money, and then it seemed like they just kind of let it fall. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I could be wrong. They could be coming up with some super big update, but like you were saying. Most developers, once it gets to the point where it, even something as simple as that is leaving Christmas decorations, that's not a good sign because yeah. that means they're not paying attention to yeah. and detail. I mean, their Twitter page went silent for like five months straight, so yeah, which is not a not a good sign for a game. Um, but yeah, like, and I don't know how much you've played of Anthem, if any, but I've um, played a very small amount. Yeah, um, essentially, from what I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. There is really no point to the game. It's not like a division type where uh, you can, where there is a sort of end game. I mean, there is no real end game with live service mm-hmm. games, other than you know, getting the absolute best stuff you can have in the game. 
Uh, but like with Anthem in particular, there's really nothing. It's, it's just not it's very structured empty. or anything. Yeah, and and I don't know how much you know about the like development of Anthem, but it was in development for eight years. No, I know. Yeah. Me and uh, me and Timothy had talked about that because he had been, you know, he was a a very determined customer i guess yeah. of it is he oh, was yeah. he played a ton of it he was determined to, to make it like a thing mm-hmm. he won he, he had a lot more hope than a lot of people did yeah which was very sad just because the the developers slowly kind of let it down yeah and didn't put as much effort as they had like shown in the yeah. beginning and especially what, what sucks is like anthem is apparently from what i've heard from all the developers or I mean, this was before it released, mm. uh, but it was apparently their passion project. This was apparently like the game they wanted to make, at least as far as like lore and story goes. Mm-hmm. Which I don't understand that because there's like no story to Anthem. There's no like, there's no real, real lore either. I mean, mm. there is to an extent because there's a world there and there's stuff in it. But I mean, as far as like actual there lore goes, it feels pretty, Yeah, it feels very. It feels pretty like barren almost, um, and like. I mean, Bioware's made some really good games. Mm-hmm. They made the Mass Effect series. Yes. They made uh, the Dragon Age series. Like, they have a really they have a, like a, good list of games. And then to just, like, to just fumble that with what is apparently supposed to be your passion project. Especially after eight years of yeah. development. I was going to say, most Call of Duties, when they were in their three-year cycle, it you know, from start to finish, it took them about three years. Yeah. And, and you end up with relatively complete games. Yes. Yeah. Whereas and it, it's it's that's why it's so hard to watch that and like think about that. That's eight years. Eight years is a long time period. Yeah, that's that's very nearly a decade of development time. Mm-hmm. Most and like a lot of that was pre-production too. I think it was like five years of pre-production mm-hmm. and then like probably three years of actual production. So like asset creation, uh, like storyboarding, scripting, that kind of stuff. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it's. Anthem is definitely one of those games that should have been better than than it turned out. Yeah. Um, there's not a lot in... There's really nothing to say with Anthem other than... Nah. It's just an utter disaster. And they... I feel like it's at the point now where they always say there's something coming and it <laughs> never happens. Where they're always like, oh, we're working on it. We're making a huge, big thing to really reinvigorate the game. Trying to keep interest. And then in, it never and, comes. Yeah. And, and you're just sort of left with like, what what's going we, on here? What do we do now? What, yeah. Huh. Um. But like, yeah, I, I mean, honestly, like everything that happened with Anthem is just sort of like kind of sad because it's like this is coming from a, a developer that's done some really, really good games. I mean, like, Mass Effect is one of the most beloved franchises as, as far as sci-fi games go. They have a very good reputation. Yeah, and then they just, like, completely flub it at the, at the very end with what well, was supposed to be your big game. It's just, mm-hmm. like, it's just kind of sad. And it, it's a lot of... There are a lot of developers that have kind of done that. Not, I mean, not to that extent, uh on eight year project, but like there, there are a lot of games that they'll start off super hyped, do really good for the first little bit. And then they slowly die off from the developer, not 
not supporting tending it or, to yeah. it or you know they've already made kind of ea style cash grabs gotten what they wanted from the community they've blown up the reputation was pretty good and then they just kind of drop it there you mm-hmm. don't really care what happens after yeah and that obviously kills a fan base and everything yeah. um yeah that there's not much more to say with it though no i mean if it if it comes back up and if there's like new stuff to talk about i'm definitely willing to talk about it but like i don't i don't see it taking i don't off. see them uh ever coming back to it which is really unfortunate and also i think that anthem just sort of like i think anthem in a lot of ways was bioware's last hope the, the last they are owned by ea and ea has a really <laughs> really big history of shutting down studios that aren't, canning that projects aren't doing good yes because i mean the studio that made Dead Space, they were making their own like open world Star Wars game, mm-hmm. killed the project, shut the studio down. Like just purely because they knew the project wouldn't hit that fiscal year. It and was going to take like another year and a half of development time. And they, and they didn't want to wait. They yeah. wanted something immediately. So they shut them down. And, and I think that like like with, with Bioware, I'm kind of shocked that EA hasn't just like completely shut down Bioware by now because really all they have to show for them is Anthem. Which yeah. wasn't a huge, which wasn't a critical <laughs> success, and it wasn't like it's not even being maintained, and so, and also coming off of just like kind of like messing up the end of Mass Effect Three mm-hmm. and making the true ending that they wanted to do DLC, and then just like you know a lot of just kind of kind of all right like Dragon Age games that they came that they made, uh, Bioware is kind of. Just, on its last legs. And that's even like Bioware made the original uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic game, exactly, which yeah. is like, now that's a game. Uh-huh. That's a, that's a, like, that is classic Bioware right there. And to watch them just go from that to still maintaining, you know, as being like a good game studio with Mass Effect to just being sort of the people that made Anthem is kind of a bad history to end with. EA has, EA seems to have an issue with, uh, not going they they go more quantity over quality yeah they're literally trying it seems like they just try to push units out yeah to get like you know if they they're not worried about it's quality seems, of the game so long as they get money they're running with the they're running with everything they can they're holding it and anything that falls off they're just trying to they don't go back they, they plan on making it up later is what it seems which yeah. is isn't really a good the thing. Business strategy. No, because for every the, one thing they mess up, we'll have to do two more later. Yeah, and then I'm sure you know those will be full of flaws and stuff like that. Not not to badmouth EA, but it, it's it's created its own like bad reputation. It is. Oh yeah, it is definitely formed. They've, they've definitely done this to themselves. They're. I want to say what they're trying to do is being outshined by what's actually happening with all of their products. Yeah. And that's, it's super, you know, watching a lot of these really good franchises just get completely ruined by greedy publishers. It's mm-hmm. just like, what are you doing? Why do you, why are you doing this? But like, I think one of the, one of the, so like, despite, you know, the fact that I really don't like EA that much and they've Ooh. ruined quite a lot of things. Um, I still think that like, Particularly in recent years, they've definitely – when I say recent years, I mean like the last year or mm-hmm. so have definitely been improving in a lot of ways where 
and I mean improving in the loosest terms, they've been allowing their developers uh, more control, which means like, Apex is a is a yeah, good example. Like but. Apex, you know, that got pretty pretty huge, mm-hmm. and Titanfall also. EA published Titanfall two, really? uh, and possibly one. Uh, but then, of course, they bought Respawn Entertainment, the people that made uh, Titanfall. And, you know, they allowed something like Jedi Fallen Order to go out, which is a very good single-player game. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, in a lot of ways that they're they're really trying to maybe not necessarily, like, like get it back together. Just sort of – I think they're, they're seeing that there is – profit in and also they they removed the uh microtransaction system like completely from battlefront 2 really even, yeah even like it, it launched without it or no it launched with it then they removed it for a while and then that sort of was like yeah we like that don't bring it back and then they brought it back of course and now it's apparently gone for good which is like what do you do for all the pe- people that wasted money on that? Like, oof, yeah, you can't yeah. give it back to them. Yeah, I mean, EA certainly wouldn't give it back to them. Yeah, like, um, but I think that in a lot of ways, EA has just been—they've kind of been allowing their studios more creative control mm-hmm. instead of saying, like, like with Fallen Order, for example, they very easily could have monetized the micro, like the the lightsaber customization. <laughs> And the customization of your yeah. main character and your ship, like, I guarantee you, you know, if this game had released two or three years ago, you could have been able to pay, like, 99 cents for any of those items in the game. And the, I think the fact that they let such a high-profile franchise make a game without any microtransactions, like, none at all, I think that speaks a lot to what they're trying to do as far as trying to get back on people's good sides after many years of, of being quite reviled in the uh, community. I was going to say, uh, a lot of battle pass stuff like that, I mean, what is nice to see is most of them are turning more cosmetic. Yeah. Like solely cosmetic battlefield style, which is good because that prevents, you know, pay to win. Yeah, and that's stuff a much like preferable that. option. Uh, you know, because I know uh, Darth Vader, what, Darth Vader was pretty OP in yeah, and in, in the original, the original Battlefront, yeah, uh, he, he was one of the more powerful characters, and, and so is Palpatine, right? Yeah, the way it happened was you could either play like <laughs> some absurd number of hours, like seven thousand or seventy thousand hours. I think it was probably like seven thousand mm. uh, to unlock him, or you could just pay like two dollars and get him, which was like. <laughs> that's definitely the EA that everybody hates is the, the one that just will monetize anything for a quick buck. It's the ultimatum. It's like, you know, do you really want to sit here and grind all of this time to, to get a character, which yeah, is really overpowered, but I mean, probably not worth seven, 7,000 hours, or do you just want to go bother your, your parents for like yeah. $3? And look, it's yeah. that, and it's it's that very quick cash grab is what they're they're really good at doing that is like and it's not even a, it's not like you have to buy that character anyways it's not like that's going to make the game completely different but it's the people going I really want that it's not that big of a deal but I really want that and then they go and spend 3 dollars on it and go yeah this wasn't worth it anyways yeah 
but it's that little that trickling the three dollars every time and you do that every other person and suddenly you have this big pool of cash from something simple like that oh yeah you just you just sit there and you just bleed people dry for as little money as possible and pretty soon you've got quite a lot of money just you know from mm-hmm. from hitting people with really small amounts of of things they have to pay for and that's why i was saying that i like the battlefield once or not battlefield just the battlefield style in general where it's solely cosmetic items for microtransactions because then, I mean, yeah, the person may look cooler than you, but it doesn't mean they're that good. Um, it, it's simply just trying to flaunt, like, like whatever person that wants to go and buy the cosmetic items is like, cool, yeah, it doesn't change the game at all. Whereas if you're having people only having to spend $3 and suddenly just because their character is a lot better than all the others, they can start winning matches consistently. Yeah. The pay to win. Just, idea. just. It's just pay to win, which is really messed up. Yeah. Because not the entire fan base isn't going, you know, a lot of people aren't going to end up getting that. And so they're either going to get smashed by all the people that are buying it or they're eventually going to just quit playing the game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But I guess by the time they've bought the game, it doesn't matter to the developers. Or yeah, they've already made their EA. money. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. Video games are in a very weird flux because it's it's that monopoly system where a lot of them are super high up companies that are kind of having all of these smaller companies do everything for them. Then it's usually the smaller companies that get the backlash, anyways. Yeah, video games are in a really weird spot, yeah. which is very sad to see. Yeah. Well. I think that, uh, that that's pretty much all we have to talk about today. There's yeah. not, like we said at the beginning, there's not a lot going on today. We're really pulling from the uh, the well of uh, dated information here. Mm. Uh, but you know what? That's uh, part of the it. part of the uh, draw of a podcast. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much it. So I've been Kobe, and I've been Bradley, and uh, well, we'll see you later. <laughs>